0: Welcome to the Daily Well Podcast with Andrew and Kate Seppo. Your podcast for all things holistic health and wellness from a Christian worldview.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode on our podcast. And today we are going to talk about eating healthy on a budget.
0: Oh yes, the dreaded budget conversation.
1: Andrew knows a thing or two about eating on a very low budget.
0: So before we start this, (laughs) I just want to introduce... Everybody knows that in every good relationship, there's somebody who likes to spend money and somebody who likes to sp- save money, and this is definitely the dynamic that's true in our marriage. I'm the spender, and my <laughs> wife is the saver. And
1: <laughs> hey, what would happen in grad school, Andrew?
0: So when I was in grad school, I would get a big lump of sum of money for my college uh, loans, and you know, I'd pay with my, I pay for school and pay for my housing with that. And then I'd have a lump sum of money just to sit in my account for the next three months until I got my next uh, quarterly um, influx of money. And so I, I, was, I was really good at spending that money. I really enjoyed uh, living life in the big city and going out to nice restaurants and eating out. And
1: For exactly like about what, one month? Month and a half. <laughs>
0: and then usually the last month, I would learn how to live Very uh, on like $100 for like five <laughs> or six weeks of groceries. <laughs> So the, the the yeah none none of none of none of the eating that came out of that time will be on this podcast because that was not uh healthy and or uh, uh you you
1: became really good at finding free food too so I am that could I be am, the bonus tip if you can find free food that's obviously budget tip number that's one. A,
0: that's the budget tip number one You get get involved in a lot of fun local nonprofits and events and then you get a lot of like yeah, free serve, pizzas serve well
1: and you'll get free food
0: serve well and and they will serve you yeah so uh,
1: no but a budget is such a freeing tool that you can have, especially within a marriage, especially if you're not aligned on top values. So for example, my husband loves golf. He loves hats. Those are not my top values. And so we set aside a portion of our budget for him to spend whatever he wants on those types of things. I should take that back he doesn't get to spend whatever he wants but he gets that portion of the budget set aside to spend on what he wants yeah
0: so budgeting 101 it's it, we we found out really really early on in our marriage it's really healthy to have something that's yours something that your wife or your or your husband can't tell you what to do with that whether it's 10 bucks a month whether it's 100 bucks whether it's 500 bucks a month it was important for us no matter how little we were making For me to have something that says, hey, every month I get this allotted portion and this is just my fun money. This is my, we call it our mad cash. Our church on the west side of the state, we had a couple that that kind of early in our marriage, they gave us a little bit of tutelage and a budget and and how 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 to work with a budget and how to do that. And so it was really helpful for us to go, hey, kind of slide this amount towards more or less if we wanted to, but it was really helpful for us. So this is important.
1: So anyway, we derail off the topic of this budget, is great though, yes. But a grocery budget is extremely helpful because the cost of food really has gone up tremendously. I think everyone has felt the effects of that. And to know exactly where your dollar is going to go from a nutritional return standpoint is really important in our house. And so we have a monthly grocery bill that I'd kind of divide up to, okay, I'm gonna to go to the grocery store every month. So this is how much I can spend on this month at the grocery store. And this is not a tip, but we have been doing a little bit more online shopping. I'll put in my order on um, like at Meyer and then we'll just go pick it up. And that's really helpful because you can see exactly how much is in your cart and be able to make the swaps from there.
0: And it's phenomenal if you have a toddler that has weird sleeping habits or, you know, maybe it's late in the day and you need to get home before her bedtime <laughs> and you can put it in to pick up. It's great.
1: So, we have totally been there. If you feel like groceries are just so expensive that you don't really know where to start to continue eating healthy, especially in today's world, know that we've been there. We opened up our practice a number of years ago and we threw all of our money into um, making this dream a reality. And we distinctly remember a day in our life where we paid rent and we said, you know what, if the Lord doesn't provide, we are not going to be able to pay next month's rent. And so, we have most definitely been there. And these tips have kind of arisen out of what we chose to prioritize during a season of very, very, very little for us. So we really hope that you can take them and kind of make them your own and that they're helpful for you.
0: And like everything else we talk about here, we want to talk about again, th- these tips came out of our life experience, but cater them to your life, right? Nobody's the same. Bioindividuality is the same when you're talking about nutrition as well as budgeting. Nobody's budget's the exact same. So mm-hmm. take this with a grain of salt. We're not financial experts. I'm not a Dave Ramsey guru. I'm not yeah, just take yeah. what's
1: helpful for you and run with it. Yeah.
0: So what's but the first one? Yeah,
1: the first one is to it was establish a budget. But then really, it's know the priorities you have within that budget. That's good. So for me, it was um, meat, animal products, really was kind of the first priority I ever had when switching. I specifically remember my grandmother swapped to organic milk. And I was asking her questions about why. And we just got talking about the antibiotics and the hormones that can be present in it. And I went home and talked to my mom about how we should probably switch to organic milk. And um, it kind of spiraled from there. It caused me to think about what is in the food supply. And yeah, so the more you learn, the more you can make an empowered and educated decision on what you want to throw your dollar at.
0: And just for somebody who maybe is like myself when I met Kate that didn't know good marketing from actual standards, right? So sometimes you go to the store and you, again, we talked about this before on other podcasts, but you go in and everything looks healthy now because they have green or Mm, the brown paper packaging. So when we say organic, we're not just saying, oh, it looks fancy and we're paying more money for a higher end product. We're saying that the the process of um, the delivery of that thing, whether it's fruit, vegetable, meat, there are standards set up to not allow a certain amount of of whether it's antibiotics, whether it's processed chemicals or um, fertilizers, that kind of stuff. When it's animal products like chicken or or, or beef, it's how they were raised, if it was in a humane way, if they had space to move around or they were kept in a cage their whole life. So there's that's what we're talking about, is making sure that the quality of that mm-hmm. of that ingredient and the quality of that thing is held to the highest standard. Yeah,
1: and I, that's another reason that I really did choose to start with me, was because when animals are raised on open pastures and the conditions are sanitary and clean, the need for interventions in that animal's life is relatively low. But the more that you start to pack into a smaller square footage and sanitary conditions go down, that's when you really have to have those antibiotics in the medicines in their systems to keep them healthy because they're living in such poor conditions. And that has always kind of struck a chord and resonated with me. And I always thought, you know, if I'm gonna be investing in meat, even if it's less quantity, um, I'd rather buy better quality. And so I've just, I've been, operating on that since I was probably in third grade. And
0: this is, a, this is a really hotly debated topic. We have a lot of friends who are in the farming communities and will mm-hmm. say, you know, sometimes you're forced to, to if you want to make a living, to grow to, certain to amount. Oh, yeah, like even the, amount of, the cows yeah. that
1: we get our milk from do have some grain in the winter months when the grass isn't around. So yeah. it's not like an all or nothing extreme. It's more like, are the animals well cared for yeah. where they're
0: at. This is also a big reason why we like we like shopping local because if you get to know your farmer, you know their practices where if yeah. you're buying stuff from you know larger chain stores and it's getting shipped from across the country or even across the world, you have no idea what's going on there. So we could get into a whole deep dive on that. We won't right now because we've got another, a few other points yes. to get to. Um,
1: but I guess if I was starting today, Animal products would still be my first starting point, but then my next one would be things that are heavily sprayed with pesticides. So things like um, black beans, things like beans in general, legumes, grains. I would really do my best to buy organic or if they can be marketed as glyphosate-free. I know a lot of rolled oats are coming out as that. Glyphosate has had some very negative health effects and it's heavily sprayed on a lot of these crops. So I would kind of identify, okay, what crops are most heavily sprayed in try to buy organic in that category. Um, and if but-
0: you're if you're somebody who's who likes maybe the less specific of what's going on, there's a thing called the dirty dozen or the clean fifteen, and these are these are really common things that you can know without knowing what's what's been most likely processed. And so when you're eating something, if you consume the skin of something, it's better to. Buy that organically produced because it's gonna have less less of that on the outside. Now, I think like an avocado that has a really thick hide almost, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a thick skin that you don't consume. If that's sprayed, less of that's gonna get into the meat that yep. you consume. So things that you only eat internally and not the, the outside, the peel or the mm-hmm. a, external portion, you can get that non-organically produced if you have to. That's kind of our rule of thumb.
1: And if you're thinking, boy, this sounds like a lot of research, start with what you eat the most on a daily basis we all have treats. We we love Chick-fil-A. We're not against, oh, we're not yeah. against treating ourselves That's here and the there.
0: That's the Lord's food right there.
1: And it's not something that we want you to be dogmatic and fearful about, but we look at our coffee, our eggs, things that we eat literally every single day. I do my best to keep up with the latest research to make sure that we're doing good quality on something that is going to be on my plate and in my system on a daily basis. Enjoy your treats. Don't be afraid.
0: We have like a 90-10, 80-20 rule. Uh, again, if you eat clean and you eat with with this in mind the majority of the time and let yourself have have a treat every once in a while it's not going to it's 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 just, it's going to keep you in a better position to keep doing that if if you're like hey I 100% have to cut out all this stuff we're not really big fans of restriction again that's why we hate the word diet cuz it just denotes cutting things out if you can find a way to make this sustainable it's going to be a lot better for you in the long term
1: oh for sure yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to the Daily Well Podcast with Andrew and Kay Seppo. If you have any questions or topic ideas, you can reach out to the Daily Well Podcast on our website, myhopefm.net. Just click podcast. Next step is one of my favorites. I love this. Yeah, go Buying for it. in season. This is huge, especially in our household, because we do buy a lot of things in season. And so by the end of the season, I get really tired of what we've been <laughs> eating. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in the winter, we have a lot of like heavy soups and a lot of stocks. Obviously, it's really cold. So we do a lot of like warm things like so a lot of potatoes, a lot of heartier things that that are, that are can be grown or saved and preserved for the winter. So when spring and summer come and we get the chance to have like watermelon. That first salad, man, is uh, so good. It's good. Now, we eat salads in the winter too, but... It, it just it just it hits, hits different di- it hits different it really does so i i like this my wife was really shocked when i wanted to share this point she was like what because it's just nice to change i'm a guy who enjoys i enjoy staples staple dishes that we have on a regular basis but i like switching things up on a regular basis and it's just nice to have fresher ingredients when they're actually grown especially if you can grow some of yourself in your own yard that's really cool
1: that, it, that rolls right into tip number three, which is make what you can from scratch or grow at home. The more that you're willing to do, the more that you're going to save. And yes, it does cost you some time, but there are a lot of things where the bulk majority of your active time or your active prep for it is maybe 10 minutes, and the remainder of the time is something that is passive. You could let it sit on the stove, sit on the counter while you go do other things. But you can do things like making two loaves of bread, muffins, stocks. Those types of items can be made with scraps around your kitchen or just a little bit of flour for pennies on the dollar. We've really gotten into making our own bread. And I just taste wise, don't think I'll ever go back.
0: It's and, and it's something that it can seem intimidating to at, at, at the onset. Like I know I was, when, my, when my wife started saying, hey, I want to start making my own bread. Again, all these things we're telling you did not happen at once. It took us years to kind of slowly find new rhythms, deep dives into what this would take. I thought that making our own bread was going to be this huge exhaustive thing. And literally it can be done. I mean, once you have your sourdough, we like sourdough. We're big sourdough fans, Yes. Uh, especially when you actually have the culture that you're growing and not just, you know, the fake seasoning and flavorings. When you make it, it's super simple. It's only like three or four ingredients and it takes my wife, maybe five minutes minutes to, to, to make delicious bread. It's so cool. So once you get started and you get that rhythm, it doesn't throw your day off at all.
1: No, and I think more of it is just mental energy and understanding where you're gonna put this into your routine. Cause like once it's a part of your routine, you don't even think about it anymore. But I was listening to a different podcast and they were talking about how we have become over consumers of information, but under producers of actually utilizing it. And it can feel so overwhelming because you've consumed so much knowledge, but you've not transitioned that into any action in, you become almost too full and too puffed up with your knowledge. Say so that more one more time. Say
0: that one more time. So we, we we are over consumers of information and we are underutilizers, utilizers, under utilizers <laughs> of the information that can apply to so many areas of your life. Even right now, you can listen to us all you want. This is great, but if you're not going to apply some of this stuff, it's just another random empty, uh, empty knowledge. It's just
1: going to feel like it's extreme and too much content yeah. if you don't. Yeah, make a change.
0: Again. I'll, we put it that, this 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 pause here. Everybody, this is not a end all be all. You shouldn't. You're not going to start tomorrow and be where we're at. And maybe you'll. Maybe you're already where we're at. And you're, and you're not going to start by making crazy crazy extremes. It takes time to get to where you're at and, and find what works for you. So the next thing that we talked we want to talk about is repurposing as many leftovers and scraps as you can. Um, this is a, again we mentioned this in a few other podcasts but if you didn't catch those you should go back and listen to them i grew up in a household where leftovers were king and that's we had leftovers at the end of every meal sometimes for a couple days we'd eat leftovers whether it was a big pot of chili hamburger helper we just would make things and use them until they were gone my wife came from a family where they ate out a lot and so if they didn't finish their food they just left on the plate and they would go somewhere else the next night so we've kind of found this sweet spot in our own marriage that we make a dish that can be a dish for two two nights in a row of, of having dinner We don't to, to make food and it forced us to buy less because a lot, a lot of times in our earlier in our marriage we were throwing away a bunch of food
1: yeah it's easy to overestimate how much you're going to eat and then you'll overcook and overbuy but even just repurposing your scraps i think is a really big tip too i think most people Understand that leftovers are obviously a good money-saving hack if you have them in your fridge. Yep. But making sure that you don't waste anything that's that you've bought. So, for example, cook the stems with the broccoli. They're equally as good, equally as nutritious. But for some reason, most people throw out the stalk of broccoli and only use the floret. That's because you're not. It, they're not as fun to eat as the little branch. <laughs> the branches. And they're the not, but they're so good. So, cut them up smaller, but cook them as well. They they taste great. But um, if you make juice, you're going to be left over with pulp. You can stir that into muffin mix. If you have extra herbs, you can freeze them in oil so that you can have like a really yummy saute with your next vegetable dish that you make. Um, If you have fruit that's almost bad, you can blend that up with some yogurt and make it into popsicles or just a smoothie. Make sure you know how to store your food properly, separate your bananas and don't store them with other produce because it can cause them to ripen a lot faster. Make sure you know how to use the crisper drawers in your refrigerator because how the airflow works can do a lot of damage or good based on what you have in those drawers. These
0: are things you should should be writing down people. These are really important (laughs) and really, really useful tips.
1: I'm gonna keep going, just throwing a few more out there. I don't want this to be overwhelming, but onions and potatoes should never be stored together. If you actually wanna bring your herbs home, you can store them in little glasses of water like they're a plant in your refrigerator and they will last so much longer. And this is by no means an exhaustive list, but it's meant to say, hey, there are ways that you can stretch the shelf life of fresh produce, especially if you feel like you buy it and then don't get through it as quickly as you were hoping. Just make sure you store it properly and you can usually get an extra week to maybe three out of it.
0: And there's some other really cool ways online. I'm sure you can find a bunch more of unique ways to help Store properly what you're buying. Yes. So if you if you, you're not gonna get all your information from us because we don't we're only speaking about what, what stuff we do. I saw uh, a cool little reel the other day of this guy telling you how to, how to store different things to make them last longer. And a lot of them, a lot of the greens and stuff, they like humidity. And so if, if you're able to store them you know, in, in, a, in a warmer place versus a cooler place or a darker place versus mm-hmm. a lighter place, a lot of that kind of stuff is based on the composition of what you're actually storing. So be smart about that, do some research. Yeah. Yeah, it's good.
1: And the last tip we have for you is to stretch expensive ingredients. So it's no secret, meat is a very expensive ingredient. So rather than perhaps making that the bulk of your plate, finding ways to cheaply add some volume to that meal and also other nutrition can go a really long way. So, something like rice, especially if you cook it in some of your homemade bone broth, can be extremely nutrient de- dense, especially in a nutrient called glycine that can be hard to get other places. It's prevalent in bone broth that can be a really yummy side rice adds so much satiety to any meal that we love make.
0: love rice you yeah. do
1: love rice um you can add in a can of beans to a meat dish or if you're going to make something like chili maybe doing two or three cans of beans with a pound of meat that will add a lot of volume and a lot of protein and fiber but not a lot of cost
0: it's also rough because I like my, my meat to vegetable ratio to be pretty high. And my wife is the inverse. So we, we find it we strike a balance. We try to find <laughs> find those true. balances. Yes.
1: But I cook and I grocery shop. So usually <laughs> I win. <laughs> um, or adding other sides to your dinner. So I've been working on canning and adding a side of canned peaches or canned green beans or just something that's cheap but adds good nutrition and volume to your dinner can go a long way in helping you feel really full off a smaller portion of the meat that you have on your plate.
0: Yeah, and guys, as always, we, we wanna hear from you. Reach out to us, let us know. Again, reach out to us on our Instagram panel. We are The Daily Well Collective. Um, you can find us on there. We're posting fun videos of our family. You get to see our faces. You can see our daughter Scout, our dog Brady, and us just doing this stuff. We, we, it's, it's kind of weird because we're newer to this like uh, social media influencer type thing where we <laughs> take videos of what we do on a regular basis, but it's really cool. Um, you know whether we're making dish, a new dish or whether we're going outside for a family stroll or we're in the garden. Um, yeah, come join and do life with us in this in our, our little yeah, family. And definitely little send collective.
1: requests that way because we have to really bulk out when we schedule and film our podcasts. But if you are wanting to see something maybe a little bit more real time. Instagram is a great way to catch up with us. Thanks
0: for listening to the Daily Well Podcast with Andrew and Kate Seppo. We pray that you're able to take a piece of information back to use for your health journey. And if you'd like to reach out to us, you can. At myhopefm.net, just click podcast.